Hello, LifeBridge friends and family. Hope all of you are doing well today. Uh, it is good to be back in front of this camera. It's good to have this opportunity to preach again and bring a message that is, is from our heart and from our Core 52 series that, that we are in. Um, man, what a, what a crazy uh, nine weeks it has been. I think uh, with vacations and some guest speakers that we lined up and then uh, I had my first bout with COVID. Um, I have preached one time uh, by myself uh, the last, I think, eight weeks. And so I am, I'm giddy to be here, to be with you, to be able to uh, just bring a message to you. Uh, those of you who are still, you know, fighting COVID and uh, all the ramifications that come with this, uh, you're stuck at home, uh, man, just know that we're praying for you. We have people that are praying for you here at LifeBridge. Um, we may not know every story. We may not know everyone who's going through something, but I want you to know that we certainly miss those of you who can't be back meeting with us in person, and we are lifting you up in prayer. So with that, let's pray right now, and then we're going to get into our topic today, the ascension. Hey, God, we love you, and we thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active uh, in our lives, it, it has the power to change. And Lord, as we talk about this story that truthfully for me, I've, I've never talked about a lot, I've never even thought much about it, Lord, I pray that your word meets us where we are. May, may it cut deep into our lives, may it teach us, may it encourage us, uh, may it spur us on to, to live a changed life where we model Jesus to a world that needs you for sure. So speak to us right now, God, no matter what we're doing, whether we're driving down the road or we're doing chores in the house or if we're sitting on our couch watching this. Father, I pray that you uh, speak to us right now. We love you and we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. So as I'm recording this today, it is September 18th. It's a Saturday. It's very early in the morning. And uh, I, as I mentioned just a minute ago, just with COVID and the recovery process and everything, uh, I have been down for a few weeks. And last week uh, was the 20th anniversary of September 11th. And your social media pages were flooded with the question, where were you 20 years ago when our country was under attack? And, and I know that even in my own household, uh, we, we talked about this. We, we, we reminisced that day and the feelings and everything that was going on. And that moment, that, that moment in time, September 11th, is one of those moments where most people remember what they were doing. They remember where they were that day. And it was a day mixed with all types of emotions, a day of confusion, and a day, truthfully, where most likely your eyes were glued to the closest TV or the closest radio to just have those updates of what was coming and what was happening as we were trying to figure it out. And for my generation, and uh, I, I turned 47 years old this next week, there are two significant moments that would, without even really having to think about, you remember what was going on. One of them, obviously, September 11th. And for those of you who are 40 and older, you most likely remember January 28th, 1986. 
For me, uh, it was a snow day for the Jackson County school systems. We were out of school that day, so we were home. Uh, we didn't get any snow, uh, so we were, of course, disappointed there. Um, and that is the day that the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded. Now, the Space Shuttle launching, uh, I've seen this a couple of times in my life on TV, and uh, have had the opportunity to go to the Kennedy Space Center and see the see see where all this takes place. And uh, I, I gave nothing to it before uh, the launch took place. But certainly after the launch, and certainly after hearing the news of the space shuttle, the space shuttle exploding, you know, you, you began to have more doubts, more uh, what, what's going on. You're you're confused with things, and it's a day that that I remember being glued to the TV, finding out as many details as we could possibly find out. And here's the thing: I may not remember this so much with the space shuttle, but definitely with. Uh, September 11th, I remember this. The hours, the days, even the weeks that followed, they were these moments, that event was all anyone could talk about. And here's the thing, each of us in our own personal lives, we have significant moments that are etched into our memory and will be there as as long as you live. And I, and I think through uh, people in, in, in my world, uh, Jim Harshman is one. He and I were at the Guitar Center in Duluth, Georgia. Uh, the moment that Amanda called and said, hey, I'm at the hospital and they're going to induce labor. And so Jim and I had that moment of, we gotta drop everything we're doing and we gotta, you gotta get me to the hospital. I gotta, I gotta be there. And, uh, or, <clears throat> You know, uh, October 26, Jackie McCann and I had this had this moment where she called, and I remember it vividly, where she called as I was pulling into the driveway at my home in Danville, Alabama. Our church is on fire. These are moments that we share with people that uh, will be etched into our memory forever, and they're significant moments for us. Uh, certainly we share significant moments with our generation and things that have happened on a global scale. But then there's these stories, these moments where it's, it, it's just about a few people. And I think our story today would be one of those moments for the disciples. At, at least as I've read through it and I've studied it, I'm like, man, how about you get to tell di different generations, diff you know, down the road about this moment in time. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to pick it up in verse 3 and read through. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised as I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse six, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. 
but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Man, I can only imagine this scene and what it was like for these followers of Jesus. You know, add, add this to the list of moments where the disciples can remember exactly what they were doing when Jesus did something significant. Now, personally, as I admitted earlier, I haven't given much to the ascension story. But I want to think about for a moment, and you join me in this, think about being a disciple. You know, think about being a disciple in that moment. You think you've seen it all with Jesus already, right? I mean, he walked on water. Maybe that's Peter. Maybe that's Peter's favorite memory or Matthew's favorite memory or, man, the number of people that he healed. Do y'all remember that time he spit in the dirt and he made mud and then he wiped it on their eyes? Um, do y'all remember the time that, man, they, they, these guys lowered this stuff, they lowered their friend through the roof? Uh, man, he raised people from the dead. Do y'all remember that time he just called Lazarus up out of the grave? Man, oh no. What about that time he fed 5,000 people with a couple of pieces of bread and a couple of fish? But then there's this moment. I mean, Jesus is there with them. He's talking. Do you remember? Hey, guys, do y'all remember when he rose from the grave? But then there's, there's this moment. And not that one moment outshines the other, but he's talking with them and he's giving them instructions. And then he starts to defy gravity. Jesus literally floats away like a child who's let a helium balloon go. He just floats and these guys are there. They're talking with Jesus. He gives them these instructions. He's right here. And then he just starts to go and they're, they're staring up. I mean, how long is that, that they're staring up and it says that their eyes are are straining and they're, they're, they're focused on Jesus's gravitational defiance. They're so focused up here that they don't even realize that there's a couple of white-robed men, angels, that were literally in their presence. Like, they missed that. Like, where did these guys come from? They were so focused up here that they missed what was going on right here. And so these angels kind <clears> of <throat> clear their throat. They interrupt. Like, hey, uh, men of Galilee, oh, <laughs> what are y'all looking at up there? Jesus is gone. Jesus has gone on into heaven as he promised he would, but he's going to return the same way that you saw him go. And I think, what a cool story. What a, what a very simple story, but what a cool story to be part of. Do y'all remember the time that Jesus started floating away? So there's two things I want to share 
about this story that until this past week, again, I've just not put a lot of thought into the ascension. But I believe and I hope and I've been praying that this story will have some motivational impact on our lives for you and I today. So two things about this story I want to share with you. But to set the stage for these two points, I want you to look back at a couple of teachings from Jesus before he went to the cross. This is, these are the hours leading up to the cross. The first is found in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. So we'll get to this, but I want you to, I want to set the stage. Jesus has his disciples gathered. He's doing a lot of teaching. Uh, I mean, he's like trying to, to these last moments, he's filling these last moments with so much information. Verse 15, John 14. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and he lives with you now and later he will live in you. All right, so set the stage here. Uh, Jesus is, this is the first time that Jesus has promised the gift of the Holy Spirit to come into the lives of these men. And he makes it clear. I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going to give you a helper who's not going to leave you. And this Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth, right? So the disciples are sitting there. Uh, Jesus is talking. He's saying some confusing things. It's not the first time that they've heard him say that he's going to be leaving, but this is the first time they hear of this advocate, this helper, this helper, this Holy Spirit. Then jump over a couple of chapters to John 16, 7. Again, some of the same teaching. This is just Jesus going on and on about these, these last details that they need to hear. Verse 7 of John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is for your advantage that I go away. For I, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is, is setting the table here, if you will. Guys, I'm going to be leaving, but I'm going to give you this helper. Now, last week in our Core 52 journey, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And, and I apologize that we don't have a recording for that. Well, we spent a lot of time and Jesus, Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit to these guys and the significance of the Holy Spirit. And we can't get into that today other than the fact that the Holy Spirit is going to live within us. And he's going to give us the power and he's going to give us the means to do the work that Jesus wants us to do. And so now fast forward to our story today, Acts chapter 1. Jesus is there. He's giving the disciples some instructions. They should not have been surprised at Jesus leaving. He's made it clear, I'm going to be returning to my Father. Now, understandably, they were caught up in the moment of how he departed. But Jesus has emphasized this. I'm going to be leaving. And, and I love the fact how Jesus says this in John 16, 7. It is better for you that I leave. 
so that you can gain the Holy Spirit. Now, that in itself is a sermon. So all of that has been said to the disciples before. We're now at the moment where Jesus is going to make it real. Look back at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Luke is the author of the book of Acts, and he is echoing what the other author said in, uh, at the Great Commission. In, in Matthew and Mark's recording of what took place there, this, this is Luke's version of that. And so here's the first thing we need to know about the significance of the ascension of Jesus. Jesus had to leave so that the disciples would carry out the mission that Jesus prepared them for. I mean, he had to leave. He, he, he had to, he had to, he couldn't send them on their way away from him. He had, because he had to get to heaven for other reasons. We'll talk about that. But Jesus had to leave so that the disciples would have the motivation via the Holy Spirit to get the mission rolling. My Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jesus, we got to remember this, Jesus coming to earth was to accomplish two main tasks. One was to die on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. The other was to prepare some men and women to carry out his mission once he returned to heaven. And during the time that Jesus had these disciples, day in and day out, one of the things that was a constant element in their relationship was the disciples' complete reliance upon Jesus. And Jesus did a masterful job of preparing them for this moment. Jesus showed them how to love one another unconditionally. Jesus gave them opportunities to serve. Jesus brought them along in life as Jesus was doing things in accordance to how the Holy Spirit and God the Father in heaven was leading Jesus. Jesus prepared these people for this moment. But Jesus leaving was what they needed to get the ball rolling, to get the mission rolling, to carry it out. Now, I had a conversation this week with a young lady, 21 years old. And I was just asking her questions about her life, her upbringing, her parents, you know, grandparents, everything that was... Um, you know, involved with her childhood and so on and so forth and, you know, her desired career and just, just getting to know this young lady as I was, as I had some time uh, uh, with her this past week. And, and here's what I noticed right away. She, she seemed to have a little more maturity uh, about her than most 21-year-olds. Now, certainly she was more mature than I was at 21. I can, I can vouch for that. And as I got to hear her story, she told me that she was kicked out of the house, that her mom kicked her out over some immature decisions and things that were going on from mom and daughter 
But she was kicked out of the house at 18 years old. She actually was kicked out before she graduated high school. The, the last semester of, of high school, she was living out of her car. And she was living in the homes of friends. Now, there was, again, there was some immaturity that led to this point. But here's the thing. Three years later, she gives her mom credit because it has forced her to grow up quicker. She said, and she told me, I don't have the security blanket of my parents to take care of my needs. So she was forced to get a job, as is the case now, to get a second job. She had to start working, not so that she had some spending money, not so that she could go out with her friends, not so that she could, you know, <laughs> have a little gas money. She had to start working because she had to find a place to live. She had to start working because she needed food to eat. She actually saved up her money to buy a, a beater of a car that she was able to pay cash for. She got a second job at a company that offers tuition assistance so that she could go to college and start working towards her degree. But here's the thing, as, I, as I'm sitting here as a, as a parent of an 18-year-old who wants to leave, who I'm trying to keep him in and help him make wise decisions and so on and so forth, I'll, I won't forget this. She said, I'm better off today because my mom made me do things to start growing up when she kicked me out of the house. Now, I'm not saying that's uh, parenting advice that you guys need to follow from me. But I'm saying as I heard this story, this, this young 21-year-old, she says, I'm better off today because my mom made me do things to start growing up when she kicked me out of the house. And I'll just say, you know, it, it's still a, a very heated uh, relationship between daughter and mom. And, and, and there's probably some other things that, that we could get into about that. But, but I think through the story of the ascension and in a loving manner, Jesus was doing something similar as he ascended into heaven. The disciples could no longer rely on the physical man, Jesus. It, it was time to send them out. It was time to release them to go carry out the mission. And Jesus knew that he had to be removed from their life so that they would carry out the mission. I'm better off today because Jesus made me do things to start living out the things that he's been training me for. So the disciples could no longer rely on Jesus. But as Jesus promised, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, which is to your advantage. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to abandon you. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to remove myself from your life so that you will now carry out the mission. You will now not rely on the safety blanket of Jesus. And so Jesus had to leave so the mission would be fulfilled. God's desire, church, has always been to use people to influence others for him. Jesus had to get out of the way so the disciples could start carrying out his mission. And church, the mission is still being carried out until Jesus returns. 
The plan to carry out this mission is the same today as it was the day Jesus floated into heaven to use people filled with the Holy Spirit. That's you and I as followers of Jesus. We are the ones filled with the Holy Spirit. The, 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 the idea is that the mission will carry on and Jesus will always use people filled with the Holy Spirit to build relationships with the lost, to build relationships with the hurting, to build the relationships with those who are living in rebellion to God and to be part of the faith journey to lead these people to Jesus Christ and to make disciples. Jesus had to ascend. He had to return so that the mission could get started. The second reason the story of the ascension is so important, and, and I hope that this encourages us all the more. I want this to, I want this to be encouraging. And I prayed that very thing. And I pray that this point will spur us on all the more to carry out the mission of Jesus. And, and just so you know, there's three or four. If you read the essay, there's probably five different reasons why the ascension is so important. But here's the second one that I want to share with you. Jesus had to leave earth. He had to leave the disciples to go and prepare a place for us. This is one of the things he said to them the night that he was arrested. Look back at John 14, verses 2 and 3. There is more than enough room in my father's home, right? Like, I mean, the, the rooms are taken care of. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. You know, I'm not sure what you think about when you hear Jesus say, I'm going to prepare a place for you. But I've always had this image of Jesus as some foreman on a construction job, making sure that the job, making sure that heaven is just right for each and every single one of us. My mind goes to Jesus being the project manager of all projects. But that's not really the preparation that Jesus is making for you and I. Mark Moore wrote in our essay, on earth, Jesus died for our sins to make a way for us to get to God. Now he's preparing a place for us in eternity, not as a construction worker building a heavenly mansion, but as a defense attorney, defending us before God. Those are the preparations. Look at Romans 8, 34. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for you and I. The preparations that Jesus is making has much less to do with building rooms and more to do with sitting at the right hand of God saying, I bought that sin with my sacrifice. Every time a follower, every time you and I sin, that is what Jesus is saying as he sits next to God. Those are the preparations that Jesus is making. I bought that sin. So this is why the story of this ascension is so important for you and I today. 
So what's this mean? You know, what's my action step? What, what, that's great. I'm encouraged, but, but, but what, what am I supposed to do with this? As I was talking through with John Lancaster, who's also preaching this sermon this week, I couldn't help but think I really want motivation. I, I need motivation in my life. And my prayer as I have read, as I've studied, as I've prepared this today, is that you and I will be, will be motivated to carry out the mission of Jesus, to make disciples. And, and I feel that, that many people who listen to this, who, who come to our, our, our church for the, the in-person worship, many of you are at the place the disciples were. I mean, you're just kind of staring off into the sky and you're kind of wondering, what now? And maybe you don't know what that looks like personally. Maybe you don't know exactly what, what it is to make disciples because, hey, you've never been discipled before. As, as a church, we've kind of missed this point. Now, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. I want to encourage you to reach out to our church. Let me know if this is where you are and we'll have those conversations. We'll even get you connected into discipling relationships. And here's the thing, church, there are so many people in our world that are living their lives as they want. They're living their lives in rebellion to God. And they do not have what you and I have. They do not have Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, pleading on our behalf. And church, these people are in your life. That's why the mission of Jesus is so important. That's why he had to ascend so that the mission could get started, so that people would start going into all the earth, all of the world, telling people about him, telling him about, telling others about his love and about his grace that he offers, telling others about the forgiveness and discipling them, training them up and releasing them to do the same thing. You and I are fortunate enough to have a defense attorney sitting at the right hand, the place of honor, saying, I bought that sin with my sacrifice. We have that. And church, I'm telling you, there are people in your world who don't. Will you go to them? Will you take your eyes off of straining to see Jesus? And will you bring them down and will you start straining to see those who need the defense attorney? That's the story of the Ascension. Until next week, we'll talk to you soon.